0: Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ. We pray that this message will inspire you and help you grow closer to God in your faith. Be sure to stick around after the message to find out more about how you can take your next best step. Enjoy the message. Now you laugh. You laugh. You um, How do we respond? How do we respond to a politically divided culture as Christians? You know, there's a a lot of things going on you might have heard uh, in the radio or on the news, but we seem to be like a politically divided nation. In fact, just the other day, uh, I was listening uh, on the way to Walmart, heard this story, this, uh, this radio program, and you know, it was talking about politics. And the more I listened, the more my blood began to boil. You ever been there? You hear something on the other side and your blood begins to boil? Now listen, this can be, you can be a Democrat or a Republican, and you hear something about the other side and you just get angry. How are we supposed to respond in that situation? Then I went into Walmart and they've moved things, so I got more angry. (laughs) And I checked out. I just had a birthday and I've been lying about my age for several years, I'm 39 by the way, and um, I walk out and the lady at the checkout, she hands me this catalog and she said, now granted, remember I'm 39, or again. And she hands me this catalog, my blood's been boiling, I'm so upset, she hands me this catalog she said, would you like a catalog of toys for your grandchildren? Mama said, knock you out. (laughs) And I don't know what the look on my face was, but she said, then she went, or your children. Uh, So I said, no, thank you. Now, I thought I said it pleasantly, like, no, thank you, but it might have been no, thank you. Um, How do we respond when we get aggravated? How is a Christian supposed to respond when things are not going their way? You can put on the gloves, Have you ever tried to do anything with boxing gloves on? Like I got my tablet up here to to read the scripture from. And uh, it is so difficult to work when my boxing gloves are on. Don't you think if you move in to fight that it's going to be difficult to work anything that Christ calls us to do? Today we're gonna look at some scripture that has a direct bearing on how we handle politics. And Christ is calling us to be peacemakers in a world that is divided by politics. Now to get to the behavior part, because we are gonna look at some behaviors to do, you have to be changed in your mind. If we only teach behavioral change, it won't last and we won't be good at it. We have to be changed on the inside with our thinking and our heart. And then, then our behaviors will change. If we don't have a change on the inside, our behaviors won't change. And we're gonna act just like the world. But we're called to be somebody different. There are some different reasons why someone might change and follow the way of Christ. One of them is guilt. I don't know if you want to look back at the last four years, but if you are a Christian and you have been involved in politics, you have probably embarrassed Jesus with your actions, your words, and your thoughts. And I just want to show of hands, how many of you think that maybe, and I'm going to raise my hand too, how many of you think that maybe you acted in a way that is embarrassing to Jesus with your words or your actions over the last four years due to politics? Yeah, See, you can change due to guilt, but I don't think that's the best way to change. But it is a way to change. And I think everybody has done it. In fact, if you've had a conversation about politics and you have slandered somebody on the other side, now slander can be something that is false about somebody, and the scripture says you can slander somebody with truth. But if you have spoken with ill intent about somebody on the other side of the political aisle that slander and you have embarrassed Jesus Christ not to mention sin that should bring up some change in within us another reason why you should change and be and ready to lead change especially be a peacemaker is something happened There's a real event in history that changed the world and changed how we should see politics. And that is Jesus Christ rose from the dead. The gospel is this. Jesus Christ died for our sins, was buried, and after three days rose from the dead. And anybody who says they're gonna die and rise again and then does it, we should just do whatever they say because they are God. He is God. He was God on earth. He rose from the dead. This should change the way we view the world. We are no longer in it in this world, as one preacher said, to win it for ourselves or our politics or for our country. No, we're in it now to win people to Christ because he rose from the dead. He is our true king. That's another reason why we should change. But what about the change that is supposed to be taking place in us? See, we were blessed, we were chosen, we were adopted, we were redeemed. That means we were bought out of our sin debt by the price of Jesus' blood. We were healed and made a new person. That means we were healed of our sin sickness. We were made a new creation in Christ. This should be the change that leads us to be peacemakers. This should be the change that makes us act like Christ instead of acting like the world. So there are lots of reasons why we should do behavior change, but I want you to focus in on there was something that happened and there was something that happened to you is why we should change. And when we get into Romans chapter 12 today, and we can talk about how we handle ourselves politically to be peacemakers, we are getting in Romans chapter 12 where Paul says, at the beginning of chapter 12, he says, I appeal to you in view of God's mercies, behave this way. Well, what are God's mercies? Jesus rose from the dead. The reason why he rose from the dead is because he died for you, for your sin, and because of you, and because of your sin. That's mercy. He adopted you. He chose you. He bought you. He changed you. That's grace. Paul says, I appeal to you because of those things. Now behave this way. And then Paul lays out four behaviors that if we follow them, we will be peacemakers instead of peacetakers. We were changed to lead a change. We were changed so that we could appear different to the world. We were changed to bring other people with us. This is how we're going to respond as a church. It's counterintuitive. We wanna fight back, we wanna have our way, we wanna have our say, and we think sometimes that if we argue well enough, we're gonna change somebody else's opinion. You don't change somebody else's opinion by arguing, you change it by your behavior that looks like Christ. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. You know, our political day is not that much different than Jesus's political day. The Roman government by the way, totally different government than ours. You don't get to say that you want to be different and you want change, and you don't get to argue. If you argue with Roman government, they have this thing called Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, and the peace of Rome is, is carried out by Roman soldiers where they, where they kill you if you disagree with them. That's how they have such peace in the Roman Empire. It's pretty good, pretty good peace. If you argue, you die. Okay, that's not like our nation. So Jesus was living in a nation where if you argued, you died. If you rebelled, you died. If you didn't pay taxes, you died. The Roman government was there. Then you had the Pharisees that were, it was kind of like the political divide between Pharisees and Sadducees. The Pharisees believed that there was going to be a new king of Israel to come back and defeat the Roman Empire with force and set up a new physical kingdom on earth. The Sadducees, they were kind of like lock in step with the Roman government and they received funds by working with the Roman government. They were really wealthy and they didn't believe a new king was coming. They just wanted to kind of keep status quo because it was really good for them. Then there were the Zealots. The Zealots were the uh, guerrilla warfare fighters who would fight against the Roman government. And so they would hide in the mountains, they would hide in the caves, and they would jump out and kill Roman government officials. Jesus had a tax collector and a zealot on his team because he brought about a change in their life so much that it changed their behavior. If Jesus was living in those days, Paul, his apostle, was living in those days, then we ought to look at how they say they they should act in those days because their actions would look a lot like how we should act in our days because we have a government and some people like it some people don't some people like parts some people don't like parts we have two political forces Republicans and Democrats and they don't seem to get along anymore and they always seem to be fighting so we are called to make a difference Romans chapter 12 there are four ways that Paul says we should make a difference we need to bless them we need to empathize with them. We need to make peace with them and we need to love them. This is how we're going to act as Christ followers to be peacemakers. We're going to bless them. We're going to empathize with them. We're going to make peace with them. We're going to love them. It doesn't rhyme. It doesn't have all alliterations at the beginning. This is just something we have to change in us because of the change that's taking place in us. We're going to bless them. We're going to empathize with them. We're going to make peace with them and then we're going to love them. And this includes the political party you don't like. So if you can't stand Trump and you think he is a really rich, classless person, you're going to bless him, you're going to empathize with him, you're going to make peace with him, you're going to love him. And if you can't stand Biden and you think he's bordering on senility, you're going to bless him. You're going to empathize with him. You're going to make peace with him and you're going to love him. And if you choose to ignore any of those commands, you're disobeying Christ in your life. That is a terrible place to be. Here's what Romans 12 says, beginning in verse 9. We're going to focus on verses 14 through 21, but I want to start with verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Point number one. Point number two. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Point number three. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Point number four, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Point number one, we need to bless them. Verse 14, here's how our behaviors are going to change to be peacemakers in a world of politics. Here's how our behavior's gonna change because of what Jesus Christ did for us. Here's how we are gonna be different in the world that is gonna act counterintuitive. It's gonna act the way we think things should go instead of the way Christ commands us to go. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Romans chapter 12, verse 14. We are gonna bless them. Now, think about this for just a second. The difference between a blessing or a curse. A blessing is kind of like you are with your whole being asking and asking God to intervene on somebody's life where His favor would fall on them. God's favor would be on them. It's like if you had a grandchild or a son that was going for a job interview and you said, God, would you put your favor on my son so that he would receive a great interview and the, the owner, the boss would look at him with favor and hire him. I want a blessing on his life. It's where you pray a blessing where somebody, you know somebody, and you hope that they are well fed, that they have enough money, that things are going well for them, and you are wishing that with your whole being, but you're praying to God, asking him to intervene to do it. Can you do that for your political enemy? Think about the curse side. That's where you want something bad to happen to somebody or you are indifferent to them. And you pray that God would be indifferent to them too. I don't think we have to pray it to curse people. Just this past week, I was meeting with a group of pastors. And um, the there's a group of pastors that are meeting that have put together a plan that's going to work in Conjunction with the homelessness coalition in our town, and I really think we can get our homelessness down to zero in Wilmington. And I think if the organizations are working together, and if the church steps up and volunteers in a way that this uh, pastor group is working, I think it can really affect Wilmington for the better. Uh, That plan's getting ready to be released. There's a couple more meetings. Um, We're going to be called on to serve our community in a way that maybe we haven't done before. While we were meeting. Lee Sandlin is the director of Your Father's Kitchen, and Lee Sandlin's whole purpose is to feed people who are hungry. That's what Your Father's Kitchen does, and there's a lot of rumors in town about Lee and about Your Father's Kitchen that are actually lies, and um, some of them are prompted by one person that that I know of, and in our pastor's group, we were discussing this incident, and You know, somebody who writes something bad on Facebook shouldn't bother you, but this person's been writing a lot of lies about Lee. And then here's what it's turned into. Uh, That has prompted people to get Lee's address and phone number, and they're calling him and threatening him. Okay, and it's all from this one person. So we begin to pray, and I pray that God would shut this person's mouth and Dave Hinman from Dove's Church he prays after me and he prays god would you bless this person <laughs> sometimes Dave you're so good i just want to punch you right in the face <laughs> ah he's right this person that's causing a lot of trouble they they met with lee last week and um Here I was hoping that Lee, Lee's a really big dude. I was hoping that Lee would give this person a hug and then pop their head right off. And it it turns out that this person had a really, really, really horrible thing happen to them in the past. But this person admitted to Lee, this is what happened to me in my past. This person has a bitterness inside of them and a pain inside of them that that person is taking out on Lee. And the only way this person is gonna stop attacking Lee is if this person gets the blessing of healing for their soul. And Dave prayed for this person. God, would you bless this person? Would you bring healing Would you allow this person to feel love in their life? Would you allow them to experience the forgiveness and grace of Jesus Christ? Which prayer do you think is going to bring peace? Think about the curse in the scripture. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God and were cursed... It ruined their relationship with God. It ruined their relationship with each other. It broke the world in such a way that we are still suffering from that curse to this day. Which would you rather have happen, a blessing or a curse? When we bring about a curse into somebody's life, whether we pray it or think it or just want it or are indifferent to them, it actually ruins our relationship with God. It ruins our relationship with them, and it makes the world worse. Jesus isn't telling us something just to do it because it's a behavior. He just wants it done. He knows that it's a blessing for us when we bless others. And when we go to war, and when we fight against other Americans, by the way, it doesn't lead to things better. When you argue your case, trying to make your point and trying to win your point, it won't make things better. You're not going to convince somebody on the other side because of your well-crafted arguments. You're not going to convince them on the other side if you're mean-spirited about it. You're going to convince them when you bless them and God intervenes in their life. And so we need to get down on our knees and we need to pray a blessing over the people we disagree with. This is how we're going to be peacemakers. Look at the posture I'm in. Is this a fighting posture or a submissive to Christ posture? Who do you want to be? God allows us to do this. He allows us to go down this path. But he calls us to do this. If you want to be a peacemaker, In a world of politics, you're going to have to bless them. Number two, we're going to have to empathize with them. Empathy is, you've heard the expression, walking in somebody else's shoes. What if you could get into their skin and walk around in their body? Romans chapter 12, verse 15 It says it this way, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. That means when they're happy, it's like you want to be able to get into their skin and experience the same kind of happiness they're experiencing. You want to rejoice with them. And if they're mourning, you want to get into their skin and experience that same kind of feeling so you know what it's like. I remember laughing, not in a nice way, in 2016 when I saw people crying over the election. That isn't rejoicing or mourning with somebody who's mourning. If the world only knows Christians by our Facebook posts and our tweets, it's no wonder they hate us. Have you heard of Brittany Griner? She's a WNBA player that was arrested in Russia and it was sentenced to 10 years in prison in Russia. Now, whether we believe she is getting what she deserves or not, whether we believe she broke the law or not, Russia said she broke their law. That's why she's in prison. She's still an American citizen. Whether we believe her lifestyle or not, it doesn't matter. But here is what a Christian posted on Facebook, I I got to get off Facebook forever. Got it from a tweet and it said this, it's very snarky. There's some humor in it. I recognize the humor, but it's not nice. Brittany Griner can now complain about the freedom of America while she sits in the jail in Russia. I get it, right? If you're gonna complain about America, you kind of get what you deserve. If you go to another country and you get thrown in prison, you don't have the same rights. If Christians speak that way, though, why would Brittany Griner ever want to follow Jesus Christ? See, Jesus did it differently. He left heaven and came to earth as the most vulnerable creature, a baby. He became human so that he could experience Every type of temptation we experience and every type of trial that we go through, so that he would be able to walk in our skin and empathize with us. And so when we rejoice, he rejoices with us. And when we mourn, he mourns with us because he knows what it feels like. And then he died. He knows what death feels like. Now he calls us to live out the change that he has made within us. To live up to the calling that he has called us. He has called us to act like Jesus Christ. There is no room for snarky comments if we're going to act like Christ and mourn with those who mourn. One preacher said this last election, their church, a more conservative church, was celebrating, but they also had liberal people in their church who showed up at church and they were scared and they were sad. And the conservatives say, what are you scared about? At no point did they say, let me enter into your shoes for a moment to see what's going on with your soul and with your heart. So that I can help you. Empathy is hard. Especially if we're wanting to beat people up. Especially if we're wanting to curse somebody. Empathy is hard when we don't want to move into their shoes for even a moment. Empathy is really hard when we don't want to act like Jesus. But if we're going to be peacemakers... We have to empathize with the other side. Really, politics is about a sense of justice. You want what is right to be done. And the interesting thing about how Jesus calls us to behave and to act and to live is there is some wiggle room about how we get to what is right. In America, churches seem to be divided, conservative churches and liberal churches. Conservative churches seem to tend to emphasize the right to life and the sanctity of marriage. And liberal churches seem to emphasize feeding the poor and performing social justice. Well, Jesus calls us to do all four things. If you are a Christ follower, you should be living and blessing in a way that encourages the right to life. You should speak truth into our culture about the sanctity of marriage and the way God created both male and female, the way he created marriage. And you should also be deeply compassionate about those who are less fortunate and deeply compassionate about bringing about justice. We shouldn't have that political divide in our churches. We should be one church under God. We should be one church in Christ and we should be the people that are moving in those different areas, blessing and empathizing. This is how we're going to be peacemakers. We're going to bless them. We're going to empathize with them. We're going to make peace with them. This might be Most difficult. I don't know which is most difficult. This might be most difficult. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. As far as it depends on you, you make peace. As far as it depends on you. Now, Jesus said, in this world, we're going to have trouble. In this world, people are going to hate you just because you love Jesus and follow Jesus. Because that's the world's reaction to Jesus. They hated him. They killed him. So they may hate you and they may kill you. So there might be some people that we interact with that we will never have peace with. But don't let it be because of something you're doing. As far as it depends on you, you seek peace in that relationship. If you make those snarky comments, and if you say slanderous things, you're not seeking the peace for somebody else. (laughs) Sometimes it just doesn't work out. We had a church member here several years ago, (laughs) and she stopped me and she said, Isn't, don't you believe, isn't it true that Trump is the Antichrist? I said, well, anybody who is against Jesus is the Antichrist according to Scripture. Now, I don't know everything about Trump, but he says he follows Jesus. Just like Obama said he followed Jesus. Just like George Bush said he follows Jesus. And the Scripture says that anybody who says Jesus is Lord is not the Antichrist. That person never came back to our church because she wanted me to say President Trump was the Antichrist. She went to a church in town that says President Trump is the Antichrist. Now he's out of office and I don't know if she still believes he's the Antichrist. That's fine. But here's the point. As far as I could, I tried to keep peace. The best way to keep peace is to have influence. The best way to have peace is to have influence. I just need one volunteer for this on stage with me, preferably an adult. Oh, Glenn, come on up here. Thanks, Glenn, for coming up. Oh, you just got to clap. Uh, Glenn, will you hold your fist up like you're going to punch me in the face? Okay, don't punch me in the face, no. please. All right, this is, this is counterintuitive. There is, this is what we teach in karate class. There's three safe places I can be with Glenn, okay? One is safer than the other, and then the second one is safe, safer than the third one. The third is the least safe, okay? I'm going to give you three areas, okay? Area number one is going to be this close to Glenn, Okay, area number two is going to be here to Glenn, and area number three is going to be over here. Now, the first question is easy. Which space, one, two, or three, is the safest I can be from Glenn if he wants to punch me in the face? Wait, hold on, hold on again. This should be an easy question. One, don't punch me. Two, or three? Three, three, three. Which safe is, is, is safest to be if, if Glenn wants to punch me? Three, because I'm way over there. He can't punch me. Whoever said a different number? Come on, man. All right, now, we got two other spaces. One is safer than the other. Okay, one is safer than the other. Space two or space one. Which is safer if Glenn wants to punch me in the face? One or two? Now this is counterintuitive. The safer place between here and here is actually this one. See, if I'm at two, Glenn is, I'm at, the, I'm at the impact of his power. That's less safe than I'm closer. And this is really key. Being close is the only way that I get to have influence on him. Okay, out here, We're still fighting. Now, I can have some influence, but I move in here, I have greater influence. If you're going to be a peacemaker, you have to move close to somebody. You have to know what they rejoice over, you have to know what they mourn over. You have to get close to bless them so that they know you're blessing them and not cursing them. But this is the only way you're going to have influence. In a fight, it's the same way. In karate, this is a dangerous place to be. But here, we can apply suggestions of direction for influence. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you. If we want to obey Jesus, and he calls us, as far as it depends on you, be a peacemaker we're gonna to have to actually move closer to other people. You think the politics in Washington are bad? They used to do something called compromise. You might have heard of it before. It's where neither side is, ends up happy, but there is something that's done. Years ago in Washington, D.C., all of the politicians lived in Washington, D.C. They ate together. Their families played together, they knew one another, they were closer. So while they disagreed, they were able to compromise and get things done. Now they, hardly any of them live in Washington, D.C. Their families don't know each other and they only eat together on political occasions. They don't know one another and they're not seeking peace and they can't seem to agree on anything. We're going to change the world as the church because we're going to move close to people. And we're going to be peacemakers. And the closer we get to somebody, the more we know them and the more they realize that we are for them and not against them because we keep blessing them and we keep mourning when they mourn and are rejoicing when they rejoice. The more we get close to them, the more influence we are going to have on them to lead them to Christ, which is the goal of the church. And when they're in Christ, he will continue to change their heart to be right. This works for both sides of the political aisle. And all it takes is that one step closer where you think you're going to be in more danger, but it's actually more influential. We're going to bless them. We're going to empathize with them. We're going to make peace with them. And finally, we're going to love them. We're going to act like Jesus. Here's how Romans chapter 12 ends. See, in Rome, there were these house churches, and they were divided too. Paul describes them as those who were weak in faith and those who were strong in faith. And there were basically two separations going on. One were the new Christians that were Gentile. They didn't come out of a Jewish background. They didn't know the Jewish laws. They didn't know about keeping the Sabbath. They didn't worry about food sacrifice to idols because they never had heard those rules before. They just trusted Jesus. Paul said they had a strong faith. Then there were those that came out of Judaism. And so they wanted to keep the laws of Moses and trust Jesus. And Paul said they had a weak faith. And those with the weaker faith, they were looking down at those new Christians, bringing a divide, stepping away, asking God to kind of curse them because they did not know how to behave. And they really didn't. In that they were correct. And so Paul says to these Christians, you've got to move closer to them so you can have influence. Teach them the ways of God but don't look down at them because they trust Jesus. And then he said to these, you can't look down at them because they seem stuck in their ways. No, you need to move closer to them and have peace with them. What's going on in our country is not a new thing. This is going on every century, every culture. It's just that Jesus calls us to move into that culture and be peacemakers. We're going to love them. Here's how Romans ends. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That heaping burning coals on his head, uh, that's what is called a dead metaphor. It's a metaphor that they understood, we don't really understand it. It could mean, it could mean this, and I know somebody, some of you are excited about this. It could mean that if you're nice to them, Then when God judges them, it's like he puts burning hot coals on their head and they just burn up and they're in a lot of pain. (laughs) Okay, I don't think that's what it means. Like After all that we've read in this passage about keeping peace and having harmony and seeking the blessing of someone, I don't think it's so that somebody is in more pain because you were nice to them. It could mean that. We're not for sure. It could mean that. I just don't think it fits contextually. There's another uh, very um, small bit of history. There was a culture that, um, that kind of described shame as having coals on our head, like we're ashamed. And it was kind of this picture made. And so it could be that if you're nice to them, they'll feel guilt and shame and have coals on their head and they'll, they'll want to change. That that could be it too. It's a dead metaphor. We're not sure. The, The only thing I'm really leaning toward is it's not so that they're in more pain because you were nice to them, okay? Which is what we want on our enemies, but it's not what Christ calls us to act like. When Stephen, the first martyr, this is in the book of Acts, Stephen was pulled before the Sanhedrin there were people that were lying about him, that he was no longer a follower of Moses because he was a follower of Jesus. And he gave this great speech. He said, no, I, I get all of Moses, I get the temple, but now Jesus provides a new temple. Basically what he said. And they, that really made him mad. And they began to stone him to death. Saul, who later became Paul, held the coats of people so they could stone Stephen. He's watching. Saul's watching. And stoning to death could be they take fist-sized stones and throw it and pelt somebody until they collapse. Stoning could also be like they cover people with rocks until they're crushed. They're stoning Stephen to death. Paul is watching because he hates Christians. He's holding the coats. And as Stephen dies, he says the prayer of Jesus. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. This is the same prayer that Jesus prayed when he was Crucified on the cross, and they gambled for his clothes, and they mocked him in the streets, and they spit on him. This is the same prayer of Jesus Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Paul's holding the coats, glad that Stephen is dying. Later, Jesus appears to him in a blinding light. And Saul is changed because he recognizes that Jesus is Lord. It doesn't tell us in Scripture, but I use my imagination. What went through Saul's head as he remembered Stephen praying for the people who were killing him? Praying a blessing of forgiveness as he died. Do you think somehow, some way, Saul was convicted in his soul that that was the way to live? Submitted to Jesus. Praying a blessing over the people that were killing him. Could we describe Saul as having burning coals heaped upon his head because his heart was aflame with conviction to be changed to follow Jesus. If we're going to be peacemakers, we don't take the gloves off to become ruthless and hold nothing back. We take the gloves off be killed like Jesus so that one more might be saved we're going to move closer to make peace we're going to walk in their shoes so we know what they feel like and we're going to pray that God blesses them we're going to be peacemakers we're going to make a difference as our church We're going to eat with people that before we hated because Jesus calls us to be peacemakers. We hope you have enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, talk to, or maybe you just want more information about our church, be sure to fill out a Connect card so we can reach out and help you take your next best step. Thanks again for joining, and we will see you back here next time.